Welcome to Follow, a Latter-day Saint scripture poetry podcast. My name is Mary Jane Rice. Thank you for joining me today. The reading this week is 2 Nephi chapters 11 through 19. Because I didn't have a poem for this reading, I'm sharing one that centers on some verses a little bit later in the Book of Mormon in 2 Nephi chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. This poem was inspired by the lies Satan tells to gain power over us. If you'd like to read along, you can find this poem on my website at maryjanerice.com. Let's begin. Cheat. Satan wants to persuade you he's a fairy tale, a metaphor for human selfishness, to bore a hole into your heart, bind you thread by thread with flaxen cords of flattery, to convince you life's too short not to indulge just this once every day, to distract you as he swaps pride for joy, bitterness for wisdom, gluttony for peace. Heaven knows he really wants not to exist at all, but since no rage, no misery can snuff his soul, he'll instead teach you he isn't real. Then he'll make you pay to the uttermost. The reading this week covers a lot of material quoted from Isaiah, which must have come from the brass plates. Why did Nephi choose to include these passages, or rather, why did the Lord inspire him to include them when he knew we would have them in our version of the Old Testament? The Come Follow Me manual says this, Engraving on metal plates is not easy, and space on Nephi's small plates was limited, So why would Nephi make the effort of copying so many writings of the prophet Isaiah into his record? He did it because he wanted us to believe in Jesus Christ. My soul delighteth, he wrote, in proving unto my people the truth of the coming of Christ. This year, to aid my Book of Mormon study, I bought a copy of the annotated Book of Mormon edited by Grant Hardy. He added some interesting perspective to this desire of Nephi's to prove the truth of the Messiah. He wrote, Lehi and Nephi were granted extraordinary revelations that conveyed a new, fuller understanding of God, the nature of salvation, the future of the house of Israel, and the role their posterity would play in the unfolding of God's promises to Israel and to the entire world. It was a very Christianized version of the religion of the Hebrew Bible. It also seemed quite novel to Nephi's older brothers who were confused and doubtful about what they had heard, since the new revelations could qualify as apostasy from a strictly Deuteronomistic point of view. If Hardy is correct, then perhaps Nephi focused so much on Christ not just because of his personal delight in the doctrine of salvation, but because he is teaching from a perspective of one who is trying very hard to persuade loved ones of a newly revealed truth that is unfamiliar from the perspective of their deeply ingrained culture. As a consequence of this, Hardy goes on to say that Nephi and Lehi searched the writings of Moses and the prophets for evidence that these teachings were not entirely unknown among earlier generations, or as Nephi tells his brothers, so that ye need not suppose that I and my father are the only ones that have testified and also taught them. In this respect, Nephi and Lehi are very much like 
Jesus' disciples and even Jesus himself went on the road to Emmaus. He opened up the scriptures to them, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's from Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Perhaps another reason Nephi quoted so much from Isaiah is that he saw parallels between Isaiah's prophecies about a scattering and a gathering, Lehi's prophecies about the destruction of Jerusalem, and his own vision of the future destruction of his descendants. He quotes verses where Isaiah specifically warns his people of sins they need to guard against in themselves so they could be protected both spiritually and physically. That is similar to what I addressed in today's poem based on Nephi's words to his brothers in 2 Nephi chapter 28. He has just read Isaiah to them, and now he's likening Isaiah's words to his own people. Nephi lists several things to look out for, starting with the temptation to eat, drink, and be merry without thinking or caring about our eternal destination. That's a very YOLO philosophy and has been around forever for future listeners who don't recognize that term. YOLO is an acronym for you only live once and is sometimes used to justify unworthy or expensive personal gratifications. Nephi also warns against the vain and foolish doctrines of men or the temptation to follow false teachers or to be lifted up in pride because of our learning or wealth. In verses 20 through 22, he speaks very specifically about how Satan deceives us. In some instances, Satan stirs up people's hearts to rage against that which is good or innocent. In other instances, Satan lulls people with temporal security so they don't feel the need to repent or to rely on the Savior. But perhaps the most insidious lie Satan tells is in verse 22. It reads, And behold, others he flattereth away, and telleth them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears, until he grasps them with his awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. This reminds me of a line from the 1995 movie, The Usual Suspects, that goes like this. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Um, As a side note, I have never seen this movie and I can't recommend it or not recommend it. I've just heard the line quoted a lot. But the gist of what that means to me is that a lot of evil is allowed to perpetuate in the world because people simply don't acknowledge its existence or rather they don't acknowledge their capacity or responsibility to resist it and try to put things right whether that means repenting themselves or helping others in spiritual or temporal need anyway as i was writing this poem the thought came to me that perhaps satan is so miserable that he would actually like to not exist so he wouldn't have to suffer anymore but since his soul is as eternal as ours maybe he thinks the next best thing is to make us all as miserable as he is. Another thing I want to remember about Nephi's warnings is that they are not a list of things for me to spot in others. I don't need help finding things to criticize about other people. His warnings are intended for me to employ in self-examination. When I read his words, I want to always be asking, how is Satan lying to me? How am I hiding my own sins from myself? 
Now I'll read the poem for you again. Cheat. Satan wants to persuade you he's a fairy tale, a metaphor for human selfishness, to bore a hole into your heart, bind you thread by thread with flaxen cords of flattery, to convince you life's too short not to indulge just this once every day, to distract you as he swaps pride for joy, bitterness for wisdom, gluttony for peace. Heaven knows he really wants not to exist at all, but since no rage, no misery can snuff his soul, he'll instead teach you he isn't real. Then he'll make you pay to the uttermost. That's all for today. You can find more of my poetry at facebook.com slash Latter-day Saint Poetry or visit maryjanerice.com. That's M-E-R-R-I j-a-n-e rice.com my contact information is in the show notes thank you for listening may your time spent in the scriptures this week be rewarding